and welcome to the seventh episode of the BPD Bunch talk show. We have a panel of people who are in functional recovery from borderline personality disorder, and each week a few of us get together to discuss BPD-related topics to give you insights into the different ways BPD can be expressed in someone's life. We also cover the different paths we followed in our recovery journeys to give you hope and direction for your own. For our first season, we've been talking about each of the nine BPD symptoms, our experiences with them, and what's helped us to overcome them. I'm your host, Sani, and today I'm here with Alex, Lena, and Jess. How's everybody doing today? Good. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Scattered. It's a... Uh... One of those days. One of those days. Is this a U.S. or like North America morning? Yeah, we're all in the, the, that, the North <laughs> continent. Is that the right word? <laughs> I'm just having a day. <laughs> oh yes, it's North America. Yes. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the sixth BPD symptom that's listed in the DSM five. So this is basically affective instability due to a marked reactivity of mood. Like everyone, no matter if you have BPD or not, has like reactive moods sometimes, you know, we have intense emotions sometimes. So it's like, how does this differentiate for people that have BPD? I think that like the best way I can explain it is like model of emotion dysregulation, which kind of says that people who have BPD are just baseline more emotionally sensitive. So we have like, you know, if everyone kind of starts like down here, like their emotional baseline level, usually people with BPD are like, like a little bit higher than that so they're starting with you know more sensitivity um and then people with bp have like higher reactivity so like our our moods and our emotions are more reactive to stressors in our lives especially social stressors and then something else that's difficult is that we have a harder time getting back down to that baseline so there's a lot of things involved with <laughs> emotion instability in bpd um but i think the biggest piece is that emotional reactivity piece and that that intensity that we experience emotions. Um, for me, I've always kind of, I've had a hard time explaining this to other people because I just think that it's really, really hard for other people to understand like what it's like to have such intense emotions. And sometimes I just feel like there's no separation between me and what's going on around me. And my emotions are just like so bare and exposed and so affected not only painful like in your mind but it's like can be painful in your body like a lot of times like you know if I'm feeling depressed like I feel it in my chest it's like intense like heaviness or if I'm anxious it's like intense chest pain and then another way I've kind of described myself to people before is I'm just like I'm just water I just kind of sometimes I just feel like water like I just like you just feel like everything is flowing all the time and so reactive do you mean like easily jostled, like in the sense that like you poke water and obviously like it immediately moves? Is that sort of what you were Yeah, thinking? It's, it's kind of goes back to what I was saying too about feeling like there's no, there's nothing per, like protecting me or separating me from, with, from my emotions and like what's going on around me. Because it's just like everything is just so exposed and bare. I really like what you said about not feeling like there's space between you and what's going on around you because I definitely have felt like that too. And I think the way that I've described it is... That almost everyone has an experience. Usually the best example I can come up with is like an, an altercation with another person where they feel really strongly in the moment. Because most people have that experience, especially I think like when you get cut off in traffic, like almost everyone has a like, oh my gosh, like a big reaction to that. Um, and so I just usually tell people, if you have BPD, that happens 
more frequently and with like lower things that most people might consider sort of lower ticket items that maybe en masse like most people wouldn't have that of an extreme reaction. I when you're saying like the water thing the fluidity part I really resonate with that because I felt like I was like that for most of my life and I very seamlessly very fluidly would just like go from one emotion to the other like deep depression explosive anger euphoria um very very quickly and um and I know you were saying that people often have a hard time coming down um but I could always come down within like five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour. Like I'd be in a really, I think that was maybe what was hardest for other people was that I would be in this like explosive state. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like wanting to be loving and best friends and, you know, cuddle up on the couch and complete opposite. And didn't always realize like how exhausting it all was. I think what was the hard, like the hardest part about that for me was the exhaustion that comes with like expending so much emotion all the time. Um, and I would just be exhausted. I had a partner who would say to me like, like, I, I'm not like you. I can't just, I can't just jump back into being lovey again. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not like you. And I don't, it was hard because after a fight, all we want to do is like feel that closeness again and feel like, okay, everything's fine. We're happy. Everything's good. And like, we can feel totally fine after falling apart on the floor but that's so hard for other people to understand and I also never realized what it's like for another person to witness that it's like whoa you were just not okay and now you just like are happy you want to go out for dinner you want to cuddle it's like must be really weird for other people to see that well and the other person is usually still feeling like resentment for whatever just occurred or still feeling frustration over whatever just occurred or still has like very valid you know, emotions around like whatever the argument was about, right? Versus for us, it's like that argument is usually around like some kind of fear of abandonment, right? And then once that fear is kind of like squashed, we're like, okay, the person's still here. I'm okay. I'm still here. We're like good to go. <laughs> but for the other person, it's not about that fear that's been like squashed now. It's about like legit issues out in the world that they're concerned about or legit issues in the relationship that they're concerned about and they're still concerned about it, right? It definitely feels like it's sort of a, I don't know, like two con contrasting phenomenon that both occur. Like as I've been both in both of those states where sometimes I can't let something go. And I've had people tell me like, it's been months, it's been whatever, like you need to get over this, you need to move on. And then I've also had the other experience where people are like, like, how can you just be fine now? Like this, things are horrible. Like. I can't bounce back. But it's so true what you said, Zanny. Sometimes our emotions can like really, like we can be get over something so quickly. And then on, on the other hand, it takes us for like it, going through a breakup. It's like, that's something that in the past would take me forever, like way longer than other people, at least I thought. Well, it's typically like all in extremes. And like in DBT, we talk about this thing called dialectical dilemmas, which is basically like, the extremes that people with BPD can live in. So there's one ex one dialectical dilemma that's called unrelenting crisis and inhibited grieving. Basically what that is, is, you know, we either live in this state of just constant, like there's no shield between us and the world. Everything that happens affects us negatively and like causes a crisis. On the other side of that, we can experience this extreme of just like complete like shutting down of emotions, right? Because I think 
what can happen is if you're somebody who's that emotionally sensitive that you're having extreme emotions on a regular basis, typically the environment is going to invalidate that and possibly like punish you for it. Right. And so instead of learning how to regulate our emotions, we learn how to just turn them off. Right. And so like a breakup, that's a great example. Like I feel like I've had times where, you know, I was in that unrelenting crisis after breakup and just like couldn't move on. And then I've had times after breakup where I was just like, oh yeah, it's fine, right? Like, I I don't I don't really even care about that person anymore. I just like turn the emotion off. And so like, with people with BPD, we have to learn how to like be in that middle area of like feeling feelings but not letting them control us. You know, it wasn't just negative emotions for me as well. Like my emotional dysregulation was with really heightened emotions too, right? And I got a misdiagnosis of bipolar too. And I think this is why, <laughs> because I would have a lot of almost like hypomanic episodes and just really moments of like extreme euphoria, like extreme joy, like how low we get, right? When we're like in a puddle on the floor and everything hurts, everything's in pain, our bodies hurt. I would get that, but like, you know, just euphoria and everything feels beautiful and I can do anything and the world is amazing and I'm, you know, and everything is just absolutely intense and beautiful in a really, really heightened way that's also kind of unreasonable and, and would lead me to seek out like things that were not necessarily like, I don't know, realistic or to view things and just view other people, view situations, view potential opportunities, view different life experiences in either one of those extremes like evil either you're the best person ever you're so amazing you're so cool or like you absolutely suck but the feelings would just be so euphoric and when i started like balancing out a little bit that was one of the hardest parts about recovery was like losing that right losing my euphoria i was like glad to be done with the more intense negative emotions but like Spend, yeah, spending less time at like zero or 100 and more time in like an average range of emotions. I felt like such a boring ass person. <laughs> I felt so boring. <laughs> I was bored all of the time and being bored is the worst for me. Um, and I missed like the exhilaration, the adrenaline. And so when I started to balance out, I went through a period where I was actually like being more intentionally reckless and engaging in a lot more like drug use and partying and like choosing to be more reckless because I was like seeking out that euphoria again. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I actually wanted to bring up the whole like misconception that BPD is a form of like bipolar disorder. It's really not. Like they, they are two separate things. I think that the extreme emotions that we feel are like they're much more reactive and much more short-lived um, when bipolar emotions like like to meet criteria for like bipolar too, like your your mania or your hypomania has to last for four days, at least four days. And then for to meet for a manic episode, it has to last for a week. The term rapid cycling has to do with the number of episodes you have in a year. Like in a, it doesn't, it doesn't mean like, you know, within a day, it's like switching between manic and depressive episodes, meaning, you know, the week or the four days many times throughout the year. Not right. like, oh, I changed my mood a couple times in a day that is not rapid cycling yeah and like really i think the biggest difference is this reactivity piece so like they've done research that shows that like 
people who have BPD, when their moods change, it's, it's more reactive to what's going on around them, especially like social stressors. Um, and with bipolar, like, yeah, mania can be like triggered by things going on in your life, but it's not, it's not as clear cut as like how affected our, our day-to-day emotions are affected by like whatever's going on around us. It's so funny. I feel like this is a hard symptom to talk about because this emotion stability is like something that we experience every day in our lives. And it's not like, oh, I can pinpoint this moment where my mood was really unstable. It's like, I can remember when I think I kind of realized that like other people just didn't have the same emotional range. Growing up, I always really struggled with people who were like really calm. I really struggled to be friends with those people or to get close or to feel connected with those people. I didn't understand. I just, I didn't understand where they were coming from. So like all my friends growing up, people I, I was attracted to were people who were often, often had other mental health issues or just people who were like a little, you know, a little more ridiculous. And I just remember realizing that like most other people didn't have these kind of feelings. And most other people didn't like jump to feeling suicidal when something went wrong. And most other people didn't feel like, you know, jumping in the air and because like one small thing went well. I had never, it is really hard. It is really hard because it's just my normal. I struggle to talk about this symptom because there's an aspect of it that I don't think is disordered. People are born with a range of emotion sensitivity, right? I don't believe that being an emotionally sensitive person is disordered. I think the problem is how it is expressed. And so in that sense, I have sort of an odd relationship with this symptom as a part of BPD because it only really makes sense in the context of all the other symptoms. Because, because like that intensity, right? When you believe it's happening and you, you believe your emotion as if that is reality, that is what for me leads to really dysfunctional behavior. And that is the stuff that I think of as being disordered. So, so recovery from this symptom does not look like not feeling things intensely. It is not allowing those things to control what I do. And that's hard because in isolation, the symptom doesn't really talk about behavior as a result of those, of the, the, the feeling. I think there's a difference too between like emotional sensitivity and, um, mood dependence right and so like I feel like when I was really in this symptom like my all my behavior everything I did was dependent on my mood and my mood was completely dependent on my environment right any small change in the environment would affect my mood and then it was like it would it just feels like walking a tightrope right like you know last night I went out to a show with some friends and then we went and got a drink after and I started building up in my head like oh I haven't been out in San Francisco in a long time like let's go out dancing we're gonna go out dancing it's gonna be really fun and then one of my friends was like you know I'm really tired I kind of just want to go home and me like you know five years ago would have like completely just like sunk into like depression or anger and then I would have split like all my friends you know, doesn't really want to go out with me ever because I'm boring or they're, they suck or whatever. And like, you know, I would have just completely gotten really upset, but I was like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. I should probably go home too. You know, <laughs> like, and, and so I feel like that's kind of the difference is like, we, yeah, we'd still experience like 
emotions to a large degree, but they aren't our entire reality, if that makes sense. On top of the behavioral part is also like, I think the difference between like healthy and BPD emotion sensitivity and like that, that affect instability is like being able to tolerate the intense emotions and also being able to like regulate or like monitor those emotions too. When you're feeling depressed or feeling anxious, like you just feel like I'm going to feel like this for the rest of my life. And that's kind of like what leads to like that suicidality sometimes is sometimes because you're like, you like forget about all the other emotions. Like you, like you don't believe in that moment. Like, Oh, I'm, I'll be fine again. Like I'm going to be okay. It's so hard because you're feeling so, so sad in that moment. It just feels like that's all you know and like everything else goes out the window. Well, everything in your mind is like, in your brain is like so connected, right? So like our memory, our ability to remember certain things is also influenced by our emotions, right? And so like, I don't know how much y'all relate to this, but there's this like memory bias. If I could picture all my life as like a, a book with pictures in it, when I'm happy, all of the happy memories are like in bright color and they stand out and everything else is just kind of dull and fuzzy and I don't see them as well. And the reverse is true when I'm upset. It's like all of the the negative emotions or memories are like intense and it's always been horrible and it's always going to be horrible. And it's just because the happier memories are not as not as vibrant and not as clear because they don't carry the same emotion. You know, there's there's some evidence to suggest that like memories are, are encoded partially in relationship to how we feel. And so if you feel things strongly, then some of those emotions are going to be attached to those memories and that's how you find them. But that makes it really hard in a moment when you're trying to like be clear headed to think, oh, it could be could get better. And so I think for me, like a big part of like being able to get through those moments is being able to say, OK, I know that I can't clearly remember all the happy things but I do know that they happened because obviously I've made it this far in my life. It wouldn't make sense if I really always felt this bad, even though I still feel like that's true right now. If I really did always feel this bad, I don't think I would still be here today. So I'm going to, you know, give it some time and see, you know, if I can come back to a more balanced perspective before I do anything that I can't take back. And you're feeling good and everything's fine you kind of like forget everything else and this is who you are now right and all of your feelings all of your memories everything like like my i don't know I, I kind of felt like did i really live in that space were those emotions even real did i do i actually have bpd and then i kind of go dive deeper into that and i'm like okay yeah i do have bpd because i'm like forgetting you know, I'd have to go back and read a journal and read like all the shit that happened, how I was feeling. I have to go back and like look at proof of my instability to be like, oh, yeah, OK, I, I am really unstable <laughs> or I was really unstable. I think That's the so other challenging thing about like unstable mood is we can ro really romanticize it. Like feeling calm seems so boring. And like I remember feeling like afraid, like if I don't have these like ever-changing moods like am I just gonna be like some straight-laced normie that's like really boring right and so like it's almost like we kind of build our personality around it in a way mm -hmm. and I feel like I had to do a lot of like reconstructing who I was when I wasn't dependent on my mood because 
I think like, yeah, my mood made me reckless because I was, I was feeling unstable all the time. So my life looked unstable all the time, which yeah, there are some like, you know, crazy stories in there that people like to hear. And there are like some moments that I look back on that were like wild and fun and stuff. Uh, but there was also like just so much chaos and pain. And I think like I've had to learn how to be a person who has fun and is fun, but it's not so chaotic, you know, because that chaos comes at a price, right? That's the piece that is hard to accept is like pushing people away because, you know, they couldn't understand my mood. So I feel like they couldn't understand me, you know, or there were times where, yeah, I would you know, skip things that were important to me because it just didn't feel like it. And, you know, like a lot of things that, you know, I don't necessarily regret because um, I've accepted that they happen. But, you know, definitely I, it, it made me realize like this isn't fun <laughs> like I tell myself it is. You don't want to be the token party person, right? I fell into that trap where it was like, people wanted me at parties because I did bananas things and was kind of entertaining. We weren't actually close and I let myself believe that we were because they would invite me to do stuff. And then I realized way later, I was like, oh, I was the clown. I was for a really long time, like maybe like two years, really missing the chaos I was really missing the intent like that um that's been one of the most difficult parts of recovery for me it makes me like emotional right now even thinking about it like I, I identified with with that intensity so much um and balancing out like I just didn't know what I just didn't know what to do with myself and like now I'm at a spot where I'm like okay this is actually a good thing I can like I, I'm not as mood dependent I can actually sit down and if I have a project I'm working on, I can work on a Saturday night if I want to. I don't have to follow my moods. I can show up for this event because I know it's important to me. Even if I don't feel like doing it, I'm going to go do it. And that makes me feel proud. But it's still hard sometimes. And I'm kind of just exploring and seeing like, okay, what do I actually like to do? I feel like so many of my relationships have been filled with so much passion which is amazing because I'm a very passionate person I'm trying to spend some time by myself now but I'm nervous to go into a relationship where it's like if it doesn't have all those ups and downs is it gonna be boring I mean I don't know about Lena but I can tell you that uh like Jess so Jess has been talking about like not having chaos and I don't actually feel like the chaos has ever gone away it, in internally um, I still feel intense ups and intense downs. And the longer I'm with someone, the, you know, those things become deeper because, you know, I think a lot of the relationships of my past, I wasn't really myself with anyone. And so it was, I was devastated when they left, but I, I now experience a level of vulnerability that is way more terrifying than a lot of the things that I experienced in the past because I'm actually myself. My external chaos, my relational chaos is much lower than it used to be. I'm able to maintain relationships, but the emotional experience of being with someone is still very up and down. I think especially if you're doing things in life, there are always more opportunities to, to feel things and, and have intense reactions to other people. I feel like there's definitely still passion. It's just not the same kind. It's not the like... 
you know, I hate you, don't leave me, do you love me, do you love me not kind of passion. It's like, it's almost like it's opened up whole like realms of passion, like within the relationship and like outside of the relationship that I didn't realize existed because I was just in this push or pull of like, are you going to be here or not all the time with my relationships? And now it's like, we we both can like really like experience things together on an emotional level. I know what you're saying of like having these relationships that are really passionate. And I feel like I had a lot of those too, but they were also like exhausting, you know? Yeah, just... 100%. It's not that the chaos is gone, right? I still feel it inside, but like Zanny, like you were saying, I manage it now. But hearing you guys talk is like terrifying because like, what is a partnership without that intense attachment? I have no idea. When I try to date now, I really try to do it intentionally and like really be aware of like things that might lead to a chaotic relationship and like weed those things out. But it is also kind of like, man, like I want someone who's going to be super supportive and like be there for me. It, it is kind of hard to choose someone like that because it's not as exciting. At least it doesn't feel as exciting at the beginning. It's not as exciting at the beginning because the signs, at least for me, it wasn't as exciting at the beginning because those signs weren't there because people who aren't extremely dysfunctional aren't going to show you all their red flags on day one. But everyone has dysfunction, right? Like you will find some of that chaos with people because we're all human. Every family has its own culture. The way people talk to each other has totally different meanings. And the closer you get to somebody, you start to come up against some of those differences and you have to figure out what that means. There are so many challenges we can overcome together. Like the list will never end pretty much. Mine was exciting at the beginning though. I was trying to learn Portuguese and like met, we met online and we're just like teaching each other languages. And, and so it was like kind of exciting because there was like this difficulty with like communicating. It, so it kind of made it exciting where it was like, I was getting, really getting to know somebody in a different way and like a way that was like challenging and fun. I feel like a lot of times I felt like I was infatuated or like in love with somebody when it was really just like they were activating my nervous system you know <laughs> they were like activating my attachment anxiety right and I it's like that. that's a that's a you know it's it seems exciting and passionate but it's really kind of like a, a cheap thrill you know like it's a one it's a very like two-dimensional experience when like a relationship is like full of lots of other shit We've digressed so much, but this is such a great topic. <laughs> well, I think it, I think it is relevant because, like, I don't know. It's hard. It's, I think any of these topics are kind of hard to like stick to the the one line in the DSM because there's so much overlap. I was thinking about this this morning that I don't think I ever really did specific things to try to address this symptom. It was more all of the other tools I used to try to like change my behavior, to tolerate distress, to just all that kind of stuff. And then consequentially, my emotional range just became a little bit more reasonable, right? Like by virtue of doing all these other things and like managing my behavior, managing my thoughts, managing my, my relationships, right? My mood just became a, like a little bit freer. Um, 
Right. I feel like it's that learning piece of like, I'm going to get through this moment. And that's something that I think is one of the biggest tools that I use to manage because I feel like I don't experience negative emotions as much anymore. Um, I mean, anxiety is huge in my life. I'm a PhD student, but like, but really like when I feel like sadness and stuff, like, especially like around that time of month where, you know, my mood gets a little bit more affected is like, I know I'm going to get through it. Like it used to just feel like forever. And I think if I can like point to one specific like skill that I learned or something is like, I think this is kind of like an underrated DBT skill is like the mindfulness of current emotions, like that, the, the wave skill, like picturing your emotions as waves, they come and they go and like emotions don't really last very long on their own. What makes them last longer is like ruminating or like, you know, allowing yourself to like let an emotion trigger another emotion. So it's like these six, like a million emotions in a row. Um, I actually love that skill so much. And I like, I really always just try to remember like, this is just like a wave right now. Like it's going to go away. Like waves recede back into the ocean and like they come, they go, they don't last. And this is a hard moment, but like, what can I do to get myself through this moment? Um, that's like the most effective thing I can do. Yeah. I think mindfulness is really important. Paying attention to body sensations also, because a lot of my dysfunctional behavior is, I have a lot of body warning signs ahead of time, like how I feel before I get to the point where I like, I'm so, I feel things so intensely that I can't think clearly or use skills. Um, but outside of those things, I think the thing that I've used the most is just, just taking a step back and just not making decisions based on my emotions and, you know, distracting myself from how I feel and allowing that emotion to kind of decrease, whether it's intensely positive or negative, you know, because I'll, you know, like if I'm shopping, right, I see something and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love that. It's the best thing ever. I'm going to buy it. But there's a lot of impulsivity tied into intense emotions. Um, and so whether it's intensely positive or intensely negative, I do a lot of distraction and, and coming back to it later when that emotion is not influencing my thought process to just to make a decision about, you know, whatever is inciting that feeling. And sometimes it's awkward, especially if I'm dealing with people, because people don't like it if you're like, let's take a pause, we're going to deal with this later. But I would much rather do that than uh, get to a point where I do something that irrevocably affects my relationships with people. That was something that I introduced into my life, like just that sitting with your emotions. I didn't picture it so much as a wave. I did more like the clouds going above me, you know? <laughs> um, but that's something I started practicing for like distress tolerance. And the more I practiced it, pra yeah, the more I practiced, the more, more uh, naturally that just kind of became a thing that I did in other moments as well, right? Yeah, it was really empowering to be able to sit and be like, oh, I am feeling afraid, I'm feeling really angry, I'm feeling whatever it is, all the things that I'm feeling, I'm thinking, whatever. But I can just take a breath, I can go do something else, I can go to the kitchen, I can go to my laundry, I can go do something else and I don't have to just react on it, right? Like, And that kind of sense of, of choice and control kind of at one point just started overriding the sense of like boredom. It helps a lot to fill your time with things too, I find. 
um, like just filling my day with other things as well gave me other avenues to kind of like put that intention and control into, I guess. Because I think I went through a period where I was just kind of like sitting, like twiddling my thumbs, like, all right, like what, like having no idea what to actually do with myself. I'm sitting here with my emotions and that's great. I can do that. I don't have to react, but like now what? And it took me a while to realize like I can channel that into other activities. When you stop having to spend all your time managing your emotions, there's like so much time. <laughs> like that's also how I feel about my relationship too is like, wow, like there's like so much space when it's not just like taken up by like having to deal with like the emotions and everything, the chaos, right? It's like, yeah, you can have like hobbies and shit. Like they're fun, do fun stuff. I never understood how people used to be productive around me, how people used to get things done. Like I'd meet people who would do things every day. They would practice a language daily, go to work every day, take a class in the evening every other day. And I would just, I had no idea how people were doing so much. And it's what you just said, like so much of my time was spent recovering from emotional dysregulation, right? Mm -hmm. Or going through emotional dysregulation. And all of a sudden that time freeing up was like, like, I don't know how I've done so much in my life when I like, like feeling like going through all those waves all of the time. Now there's just more time. I think another thing that was what made emotion, like having intense emotions hard was, I don't know if anyone else has had this experience, but uh, particularly because of environmental invalidation, and even if it's just implicit, right? If other people aren't reactive, I was very judgmental towards my own emotions. And like, if I had an intense emotion that I didn't understand or I didn't like, I would be very frustrated with myself. And that kind of made things a lot worse. And I do owe a lot to DBT. Uh, but one of the things that really, I think, helped make some of the things that I learned there make more sense was all the stuff that I learned in school, getting my degree. And one of the things that we talked about in our like perception and sensation classes that like pretty much everything in your body is designed to detect change and activate change right and so emotions largely exist to communicate things to you about what's going on within yourself what's going on between you and the environment thinking about it that way in like a more like scientific sense like this is what emotions do it it helped me to be less judgmental and more curious about like Oh, hey, shame, what are you doing here? What are you trying to tell me? What do I need to learn from you? Um, because I think it, when I acted like they didn't exist, it was like, no, I'm not gonna deal with you. Go away, you big jerk. It's like, they don't, they don't get to tell you what they're trying to tell you. And so it makes it harder for them to leave. And when I was like, okay, I mean, I don't like sitting with you because you make me feel very, you know, unhappy uh but let's sit let's sit down what are you what are you trying to communicate and that that helped a lot it allowed me to get to a point where I could sit down with multiple emotions at once you know feel grief and contentment at the same time recognize that something horrible is happening and overall my life is pretty good this symptom is like has been for me one of like the best and worst parts of VPD. The best because 
have a lot of really great stories and I've done a lot of really crazy things and I can look back and I've had a lot of fun in my life and I've had a lot of, you know, intensity and I've accessed ranges of emotion that I think not everybody accesses and I enjoy that. I'm really curious about life and I want to experience as much as I can and I like that about myself, right? But at the same time, it takes over your life. You become so dependent on it. You're, you're really like any kind of sense of control that you have is so dependent on your moods. It takes up all this time. It's exhausting. It like brings down every year. It brings down the way that you thrive in every other part of your life. And it's, yeah, it's a strange one because I'm so attached to this part of myself, but I also see the value in being able to the immense value in just even in my health and my longevity and my productivity and my relationships and what I do but the good thing is is like once you learn to regulate your emotions and not live such a chaotic life like that is like and I've said this I think like a bunch of times before but it's like that emotional all goes back to that emotional sensitivity piece because it's like Going back to that like model of like emotion dysregulation before, it's like everything's built on this emotional sensitivity that we're born with. And that's not going to go away, but it becomes so much more beautiful when we can deal with our emotions and when we can like stop things from getting a to a point that it's like dangerous or unhealthy. And then we have this ability to like feel things because like, you know, our feeling doesn't go away. We still feel things intensely. And yeah, sometimes it sucks to feel things that are negative intensely, but it's beautiful to be able to experience the world in a way like where you really feel the world, you know, you're not just like walking through life and not feeling it, like except for when we are pushing our feelings down. But like it's there's a beauty of like being able to feel the world and being able to be so attuned to other people's emotions because we're so attuned to our own that we can just like, I don't know, we have like a special power in that way. Definitely emotionally sensitive people up in here. <laughs> Which yeah. is, yeah, one of the gifts of BPD, for sure. And I think at the end of the day, I think this is one of the symptoms that is the hardest, especially in, in like, I don't know, for me, early stages of recovery to, like, to reconcile the fact that I will always be sensitive. Um, and when I was first going through that, that I was so resentful that I had to do the work. Um but getting to a point where I can feel multiple things at once and I can see the beauty and connect to people. I know a lot of people watching this won't be able to relate to this right now, but I, I don't think I would want to not be able to feel things like this. Like part of my story and part of my life is being able to connect to my emotions so intensely. Like I don't want to be someone who is unaffected by the people leaving me like I'm not gonna let it tear me down but I I like that I am deeply connected to my own life I can't imagine I mean I'll, as far as I know I'm only gonna get one so why not feel it to the fullest I never want to lose that like my sense of it of intense feeling and that that's what pushed back my recovery for so long was the fear of losing that I didn't I didn't want to balance out right and realizing that like I can still access those parts of myself is like really comforting some people really like kind of push that away don't ever want to feel this shit again I was the opposite I was like so scared of never feeling this shit again even even the bad parts 
I was like, no, because I know with the bad comes the good. And like, I, I was terrified of being able to regulate my emotions. <laughs> and it's not actually that scary. It's, it's pretty cool, right? It opens up a lot of doorways. And I can still access those parts of myself. Just because you know how to regulate does not mean that you're going to stop feeling unless like you like overregulate, which can happen too. But it's like, there's, there's a balance. There is like something I think like in mindfulness, like using mindfulness is like the best way to get there. It's like really noticing what's going on inside your body and like being able to like, okay, now what do I do with this feeling? And uh, yeah, it feels good to be in control though. You can nurture yourself so much better now. And like when you can identify where everything is in your body as well, right? Like you can just take such better care of yourself. So thank you everybody for watching. Um, we had a good time. I hope you did too. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications so you don't miss anything. Next week, we're going to be talking about chronic feelings of emptiness. Ha! So stay tuned for that and we will see you next time.